Hello and welcome to Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series that delves into the biggest challenges facing the mortgage-breaking industry. I'm Claire McPhail, a business development manager in the South East. And I'm Tony Rimmer, a business development manager from the North West. As it's Pride Month, we're looking at issues of diversity and inclusion in the workplace, focusing on our LGBT plus audience. We're chatting with Nancy Kelly, the CEO of Stonewall, and Hannah Bernard, Head of Business Banking at Barclays, formerly Head of Mortgages. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Nancy. A very warm welcome to you both. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Hannah and Nancy. Lovely. Thank you for joining us this morning. So I'll start off this morning with a question for you, Nancy. Can we start by you explaining briefly about Stonewall and explain the link to Pride Month? Sure. So um, at Stonewall, we've been campaigning for lesbian, gay, bi and trans people's rights for over 30 years. And we work across the UK, but we also work in partnership with um, human rights organisations all around the world. And our kind of focus is on campaigning to drive positive change in public attitudes and public policy. So, for instance, our big campaign at the minute is around banning conversion therapy. Um, But we also build kind of really deep, sustained change programmes with institutions that can really change our lives. So we work in schools to combat bullying. We work in sports with the fantastic Rainbow Laces campaign. And of course, we work in workplaces through our Diversity Champions programme. And we're really passionate about um, making a world where all LGBTQ people can be themselves at work. And we're a bit younger than Pride. So the Pride movement is, is a good 20 years older than us. And it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge part of our heritage. And it's a time of protest and it's a time of celebration for LGBTQ people all around the world. And we work really closely with the Pride movement to kind of provide spaces of celebration, but also spaces where we can raise things that are still not the way they should be for LGBTQ people. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose just briefly, over the last year, have you seen a change? Have you seen any impact on the work that you do from the pandemic that we've just been through? So for sure. So LGBTQ people already have quite poor mental health because of their experience of discrimination. But the pandemic has made that really worse. And one of the reasons is is probably quite obvious, which is um, particularly for younger people, you might live in a family and not be out to them, or you might live in a family that isn't supportive of who you are. And so being kind of trapped at home in those spaces has had a really negative impact, particularly on LGBTQ young people and on elders, actually, just real isolation and um, real impacts on mental health. And sometimes in the most extreme cases, kind of impacts that lead to, to domestic abuse or homelessness. Yeah, I can imagine that, Nancy. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you've said there about the, the sort of people being themselves at work. I know on a, on a personal note, my daughter um, came out when she was in her mid-teens. You know, when you're looking at people being themselves at work, there's a little bit of being themselves at work and being themselves at home. And I think you've got, you know, you've got a couple of things there to deal with, haven't you, and work through. I just wondered, uh, you know, what, what are the main areas you're focusing on then? It would seem as though homophobia is still an issue, you know, certainly from, from what I've experienced. And, you know, I'm just wondering how we can all look to tackle that in, 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 in a better way. 
Yeah. So, I mean, through the Diversity Champions Programme, we do a lot of work to support employers like Barclays to be much more inclusive and to be workplaces where everyone feels safe and feels more than safe, actually, feels able to kind of be their full creative, talented self. Yeah, just them. Right. But we do know that there are still really big barriers. So there are barriers accessing employment. So our own research shows around 18 percent of LGBT people people who are looking for work have been discriminated against while they're in that job application process. More than a third of us are frightened that we will be discriminated against. And and once we're in workplaces, there are still there is still quite a lot of prejudice despite the huge steps forward we've made since since certainly since I was a child. So um you know, lesbian and bi women, for instance, and trans women are about twice as likely to get sexually harassed in the workplace. Um, a lot of people don't feel safe to be out at work, particularly actually by men and women are not out at work. And there's a lot of evidence about barriers to, to progression. So people getting trapped in those entry level positions and kind of you'll be familiar with kind of conversations, I guess, around a lack of visibility of, say, women leaders at the top of big organisations. But there are very few and often no LGBT people at the top of big organisations on boards or in senior positions. So we've come a massive way since Stonewall was founded kind of 32 years ago. But there's, you're, you're right, Tony, there is still a lot more work to do so that people feel safe to kind of be themselves and kind of thrive throughout their working lives. Yeah, because again, I think you've you know mentioned some interesting points there because I know from, from my daughter, Beth's point of view, she's now 25, but she's had probably three or four different roles and different positions with different companies during that period. And I know, especially in the early part of that, I think perhaps while she was coming to terms with it herself as well, she did, probably for want of a better word, have some, have some challenges with some of the people that she worked with and you know, just being able to enjoy going to work. And, and I think that understanding and, and compassion, I think, is what really is needed, isn't it, in, in the workplace. Do you think there's still, as a senior leader with, with some organisations, you, you mentioned about people not, not being there in that senior leadership position. Do you think there's... Perhaps there are, but perhaps there's a stigma around that to some degree as well, Nancy. I think I think there's two things happening. I think f- the first thing is that LGBTQ people aren't getting promoted into those roles. But I do think there are still quite a few people who... Um, who aren't open about who they are and they've they've felt like they've had to do that in order to to progress into those roles and you very often I mean I have the privilege of meeting a lot of LGBTQ leaders from across different industries in my role and you very often talk to people who say I am the only one and I've been the only one at my level for years and actually even in the voluntary sector where I've always worked which is much more inclusive I've been in lots of organisations where I am the only senior leader who is an out LGBTQ person. So I, I think there's two things. I think there's firstly, we're not maybe getting as many opportunities for promotion up to those really senior roles. And the other is, I think some of us still feel like if we're out as our true selves, then people won't see us as credible in those roles. And so people maybe keep their sexuality or their gender identity private. Uh, thank you, Nancy. And Hannah, if we come to you, being one of the senior leaders in Barclays, what have you seen sort of within your career, I suppose not just with Barclays, but with other corporates that you've been with before Barclays? 
Uh, yeah, well, a lot of what Nancy said resonated, actually. So I know when I started working the, the mid-90s, dare I say it, you know, I was in retail and it felt like there were a few openly gay colleagues there, particularly in quite senior positions, actually. And so at the time, I didn't really think there was an issue. My sister's gay. I did, but when I look back, actually, there were probably a sizable number of LGBT colleagues who weren't out in at work. And I, and I think, you know, at the time, you kind of think, oh, there's not a problem. And then I look back and go, well, actually, there weren't actually that many. So there probably was more of an issue. And I think I then came into financial services later on, and it felt like I'd kind of gone back in time because actually there were very few, particularly senior positions, of very few um, kind of LGBT role models. And, and I think particularly in certain sectors, so investment banking, very hard to find role models that are kind of prepared to, to kind of stand up and be, and, and be out. And so I do think it's, um, it's a real piece around how organisations are starting to evolve and, um, and how it's starting to become more recognised clearly that the more that people can be the authentic selves at work, the more we're going to get, get out of the colleagues and the more, therefore, that leaders should be encouraging um, the fact that everyone can be themselves at work and there shouldn't be this, this kind of different work persona and home persona, Tony, that you talked about. And I just think it's, like, it's kind of like an, an evolution of culture. And, and I think some are at different phases in that evolution. And, and I'd hope that, you know, Barclays were doing a lot to try and kind of fast track that evolution. I think in some teams, it's fine because the culture's open and we've got lots of allies. And then in other areas, it's probably a bit less obvious. And, and, and there's a, there's, there was a perception when I joined a few years ago where it was almost like, well, we know we're not homophobic, so it's fine. And I'm like, that's not enough. You need to be more overtly welcoming so that people can feel that they can be their authentic selves from day one. Just just staying with with that, Hannah, I just wondered if you could perhaps, um, if we could look at what it means to be an ally. Can you give some examples of perhaps how you've demonstrated that inclusion within the workplace? Yeah, so so, um, the Ally programme, and particularly within that, so we have Spectrum, which is the Barclays LGBT network, but I know lots of organisations have uh, networks. And the ally piece for, for me is about um, kind of raising awareness for the, the people that aren't members of that community as to what the challenges are that, that members of the community can face. And so um, we kind of we try and have lots of events. We have lots of education. We kind of raise awareness about all of the issues that pertain to that community and therefore um, kind of raise a visibility of support and, and things like that. So there's a, there's a general thing that we would try and have moments in time in the calendar to try and galvanise a focus on a particular uh, community or a particular situation. And, and then, I suppose, just try and raise the broad visibility and awareness. So we'll have things like at work, when we we're all in the workplace, back in the old days when we weren't all stuck at home, we would have rainbow lanyards because that, for me, was a really visible sign of support. And so by trying to get like, all senior leaders and, and, and all the teams to kind of feel that they would wear the lanyard... And, it, and, and therefore they were show, kind of showing their support so they could either be a member or they could be an ally and they're wearing the same lanyard. That, for me, is a really visible, welcoming sign. And, I th- and that, you know, in the little world of WebEx at the moment, we try and use pronouns because that, again, is about kind of showing an affinity with the community to say, uh, you know, we recognise gender identity and therefore we're kind of participating in, in helping um, people kind of communicate their, their preferred pronouns. Um, so little things like that where I think it's about education, it's about awareness and it's about showing visible support. Thanks, Hannah and Nancy. You're listening to Mortgage Insider. Please rate, review or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
Okay, so if I could come to you both then with this question, please. Looking at our audience of mortgage brokers who we're working with every day, we've got some of them are working on their own, some working in very small brokerages and others working for larger organisations. Nancy, if I can come to you first, how can they create a more inclusive work environment? So I think a little bit of learning is really key here. So so doing a bit of reading, maybe check out some of the free resources that are on Stonewall's website or other organisations. Just so to give people confidence, you don't have to have a PhD in inclusion. Just do a bit of reading and give yourself a bit of confidence. I think... Um, showing kind of visible signs of support, you know, during Pride Month, doing a bit of celebration is really good for customers and colleagues to feel particularly that leaders are inclusive. But probably the most helpful thing to think about is kind of the things we say to people, our colleagues and to customers. So um, really being careful about language is very often still um, people assume the gender of your partner. So I very frequently have people talk to me about my imaginary husband and and then get a bit panicked when I correct them as well um, or perhaps sometimes people will assume someone's gender based on their name and that's not always the the best way so so kind of listening to see how somebody describes themselves or asking and I think the other thing just to say is we all get things wrong so you are sometimes going to ask someone like me about their husband because you're going to see I've got kids and you're going to make an assumption. It's not the end of the world. So feeling confident, just saying all you need to do is say, oh, I'm sorry, and correct yourself and move on. So just a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of consideration, and also just, just being kind to yourself about you're going to get things wrong. And all you do is apologize and move on and everybody's going to feel included. I think that's a great point. I really do, because I, I think very often in those situations, perhaps there's a degree of embarrassment, isn't there, where, you, you know, perhaps you can't think you can recover from that. But as you said, I think in, in normal conversation, you know, it, it, it's just accepting it, isn't it? And, and um, Yeah, apologize. yeah. Just, just say sorry, mm. say it the right way, move on. Nobody's going to hold it against you. Yeah, I agree. And, and coming to yourself, Hannah, do you have any thoughts? Uh... I think there's a couple of things. The first one's really on top of what Nancy said. I would, I would say just practice saying, what does your partner do, rather than always use a, a term, or, you know, and, and, and talk about they, and don't use he or she often, because it just gets you out of a lot of trouble, because you just... You're not making assumptions. So I, I would just say practice the, the phrase that's that's kind of inclusive, which I think would be helpful. And then I think just to your point around the larger organisations, I guess if you haven't got a diversity network, kind of set them up, get get the conversation going. And and things like what I found really useful is where you have, um, you run diversity listening sessions. So you might, you know, I'll, I run one a month and I just tell them what the topic's going to be about and then people just dial in and we just, and I say, tell me about what you're hearing, what you're feeling anything we can do more to support you or your colleagues and 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 it's it's really because that they just you just need to create the the environment for people to share what they want you know kind of give you the feedback and then together you kind of make the make the whole thing more inclusive so that I would just say start the dialogue start the conversation yeah Thank you, both of you. And I suppose, again, linking that back to how the brokers could do that, you know, I, I suppose, again, as you rightly say, it's just being part of, it's an awareness, it's educating themselves, isn't it? 
Do you think there are assumptions when people come to make applications? I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the mortgage applications that have been around have been around for a very long time and will be very structured in the questions that they have, which which have been around a very long time and, and certainly wouldn't have kept up with the changes um, in regards to people's gender and, and equality. So what can we do about that you know what can companies do about maybe just making sure that people feel more comfortable to be who they are when they're going through applications and mortgages especially I suppose Nancy anything so, yeah there's something really basic right sort your forms out <laughs> and, 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 and I think sometimes people make this more complicated than it is so you might have a computer system that's really difficult to work and really difficult to change, but that doesn't stop you giving the customer a form that allows them to tell you about who they are, who their family is in the language that is right for them. And then you can faff around with your 1980s computer system behind the background. But I, you know, I know for myself personally, it is one of the biggest off-putting things. And I've, I do have this, I have it with financial services, I've had it with schools. If you pass me a form and I can't describe the fact that I've got a wife on it without crossing something out, you are not getting my business. So I think that there's some really basic things like making sure that the forms, that the documentation, um, doesn't make assumptions even if you have to hide the wiring a bit behind the scenes because you're working with with um older systems kind of software systems and and also get the software systems changed because i know that that's often one of the reasons why people say well we can't have inclusive forms because actually our software systems aren't inclusive we'll get get them fixed yeah, absolutely. And Hannah, you know, for yourself, sort of coming from the corporate side of things, is that something that you've noticed, something that, you know, trying to push? I mean, I've always thought the same thing for, for anybody. Why should we have to put, are we married or not? Are we single or not? Are we with somebody or not? I mean, what relevance has that got to anything? Are we still in a world that we're judged and classed, that we're more or OK to have a mortgage if you, you know, if you typically tick this box and that box? So. No, I think you're right. And I think Nancy's challenge is entirely appropriate. It's just we've, we, I, don't, I can't even make any excuses because it is because they're all antiquated. So we need to, we need to, we do need to do that. I think also we need to, as an industry, um, just become more 21st century. We we don't think of 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 the kind of complexity or the the beautiful diversity of of family units that we have anymore. It's just we you know we 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 aren't. Um, I think broad enough in terms of all the different permutations. I remember there was a, a once when I was actually in the mortgage role, uh, we had a complaint because there was a, a kind of uh, we you can't put a dependent as being someone who's not a child or something, and yet there was this relationship where there was a there was one partner and the other partner was effectively kind of buying the house or something. There was some you know relatively complex situation, but. Our, our our process and our product doesn't accommodate that. And it just seems it's fairly archaic because there was no credit reason why it shouldn't work. It was just that the product didn't cater for it. Didn't fit in the box, as you say. So, yeah, very interesting. Thank you. I mean, I know um, personally, a bit like Tony, I've got sort of personal stories about friends of mine who've, you know, had, you know, been really kind of grilled due to the fact that there are two women one child you know who who's where and where does that fit in and, and made to feel you know and as you say it just shouldn't be it just should be literally tick the box and move on shouldn't it shouldn't be even having to think about it so um thank you 
Yeah, and I think I think we're sort of everybody's starting to understand. I think more awareness certainly from what I can see, from what what I've experienced, that you know people are more aware of that uncomfortable sort of language and you know making people uncomfortable. I think Claire, aren't they? So you know, I think we've got to continue to uh, to, to work with that. I, I guess just just staying with that topic, uh, Nancy. I think in terms of the wider financial services, you have touched upon a couple of things there. You know, one around the form. Is there anything else that you think we could do as a as a financial services industry to become more inclusive, and, and why you know why would that be good for so people listening again to to the podcast? Why is that good for business? Well, so I I would always say there are kind of three reasons. And this is completely true in in the kind of financial services sector to be really focused on including LGBTQ plus people as as colleagues and customers. So the first one is it's just the right thing to do. The second one is that there's a ton of evidence. So organizations like Open for Business as well as Stonewall have, have got a ton of research that says that when people are able to bring their full selves to work, to be themselves at work, like you were talking about your daughter, Tony, that they perform better and that companies perform better and that actually um, it has kind of wider benefits around diversity. So for instance, there's quite a lot of evidence that countries that are more inclusive around LGBTQ people also have lower gender pay gaps. So kind of if if we're more inclusive of women, if we're more inclusive of LGBTQ people, of people of colour, all of these things create a workplace that is going to be more effective, more commercially viable and is and everyone's going to thrive in it. And there's also a big reason about customers, right? So, so if you want people to walk through your door who are from my communities and and work with you and buy buy from you and give you their money or trust you with their money then you have to be inclusive and and i suppose what's important is is to i link back to the beginning of this interview when we were talking about the pandemic and the impact that that has had on some people you know some people are going to be listening to this that maybe are still struggling so what can we say to people like that what can we what sort of resources are there what could they do um, if they are struggling in their workplace do you think to get help and support um well i would say uh, speak to somebody so find an ally you know ideally speak to your line manager but if you don't feel comfortable doing that find someone who's who's a friend and then reach out to them and then if that's not uh, fruitful and you're not getting people to hear you or to address what the situation is then I presume there are formal routes you'd go to HR you'd, you could even do the kind of you'll have a whistleblowing I'm sure you know whatever the, the whatever the situation is you need to you need to speak to someone you need to reach out and I'm sure Nancy will say there's probably um, other resources externally that you know there'll be plenty of people that are there to help and what the worst thing will be just to keep quiet and think it's going to go away because if you're feeling it's it's real and therefore you should do something about it yeah so I think Hannah's absolutely right about inside the workplace talk to somebody that you trust whoever that person is and if necessary get them to help you talk to HR or help you talk to your line manager I think outside of the workplace there are you know there are lots of resources on our website at Stonewall that can direct people to to organizations that can offer all kinds of support around well-being and mental health there are fantastic organizations out there um, that are here to support us when we're struggling as LGBTQ people and so please do reach out and also just linking back to the beginning one of the amazing things about 
Pride Month is that there is an enormous, because we, we all have to be online, sadly, this, this year. The benefit of that is that there are just an enormous number of kind of online support spaces that people can access. And there's even more of that happening in Pride Month. So if you kind of look at organisations like LGBT Foundation, which does a lot of mental health work, like Stonewall. If you look at your local prides, as well as um, bigger prides like UK Black Pride or um, Pride in London, what you'll see is that there's just a ton of opportunity to meet with other people from the community and get support. And so do reach out and do take advantage of all of those things. And Claire, if I could just make one other point, actually, because I know from having done a lot of ally events and things, it can also be parents or friends of friends that don't know what to do because they, you know, to your point, Tony, when your daughter came out, you might have been a bit flummoxed, didn't know what, what you know where to go or what to get. Out. And and actually, I think that's you'd still you'd still look up the the employee networks, go and look on uh, the Stonewall website. There's there's loads of resources. If you you don't have to be LGBT to take advantage of them. So I think often that you know, and I think just one final pitch on the pride piece when when we're able to get back and and start to do those celebrations in person, Nancy, I can't wait. Um, they are brilliant events for everybody to go along and just experience how brilliant an atmosphere and family, you know, kind of feeling it is. And, and, that, and I think that's been really helpful to some of the parents that I've been speaking to that have, that have been coming to terms with the news about their, their daughter or their son and, and, and how they then start to come together. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely. That was Nancy Kelly, the CEO of Stonewall, and Hannah Bernard, Head of Business Banking at Barclays and formerly Head of Mortgages. The views expressed by external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Barclays. If there's a subject that you'd like us to explore, then please email us at mortgageinsider at acast.com. And please do rate, review and follow so you don't miss an episode. I'm Tony Rimmer. And I'm Claire McPhail. Thanks for listening.